listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, you may not know this, but actually my second favorite podcast on the planet is produced by Michael Lewis and it's called Against the Rules. And it's a season-based podcast. And season two is actually all about the rise of coaches in American society and what coaches mean to us in society and business and in life. So I give you this long preamble because you actually brought us a really interesting guest. And I want to welcome her. It's Mary Herman. She's managing director of the Global Executive Coaching Practice for Bravante. And I am excited to hear her talk to us about coaching and the, and, and really the role of, of coaching inside of firms and firm leaders. So, Mary, welcome. Thank you, Jason. Thrilled to be here. Why don't you give us some background on Bravante and then give us some background on your practice real quick. And, and you can obviously weave in some of your background, I guess, as well. So, so three levels of background, I guess, all at once. I'll start with Bravante, Jason. The word Bravante comes from a co-creation with our clients and our internal team at Bravanti. And it stands for brave. And Avanti is the Italian word for moving forward. So we combine those two words to create Bravanti. And we really believe that leadership demands courageously moving forward. And so that is really the definition of what we do. Igniting bold futures is our tagline, and it's something that we wholeheartedly subscribe to and believe in, whether we're serving an executive who is growing into an executive role, developing high potential leaders within organizations, or supporting in career development or transition to ignite a bold future is what we stand for. And really the clients that we serve share that philosophy. I am Mary Herman, as you introduced me and am thrilled to be here with you and Jeff. I have been in the coaching space for 22 years. After spending 10 years in HR in progressive roles, I chose coaching as a specialty way back in my 30s. And I I joke about that, but it was a time when coaching wasn't as cachet as it is today. And I look back on the leaders that chose to experience coaching with incredible pride and gratitude for their courageousness. Back then, when you worked with leaders, they often didn't want you coming to their office. They'd ask you to meet at a coffee shop or elsewhere, right? Not necessarily in the office. Coaching was so new back then that, well, we've had coaches always, but in terms of a leadership development tool, it wasn't as known as it is today. I say that often when I'm introduced today in an organization, I'm paraded around the office saying, here is my executive coach versus <laughs> when I compare it to all that, you know, many years ago, how it was more of a quiet activity. And it is held in confidence always. And so I've been fortunate to help grow with Bravanti, a cadre of 200 coaches around the globe that serve leaders in all size organizations, startup, mid-cap, 
Fortune 500, FTSE 100. We're very fortunate to work with leaders across the spectrum. So, you know, what's really interesting about what you said that, that I told you about that opening sequence about the Against the Rules podcast, and they trace coaching back to its roots. And one of the interesting things is if you go back into the 1800s in sports, coaching was not only seen as a negative thing, in some instances, it wasn't even legal. Mm-hmm. So to hire a coach was against mm-hmm. the rules, mm-hmm. hence the podcast name, right? So I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about that culture shift over the last 30 years. I guess maybe it wasn't 30 years. You said since your 30s, so I made up the yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Been, yeah. So, for me, the last, you know, for 22 years being- 22 at, years. And, and, and honestly, Jason, I can remember being introduced. I had my own private practice for five years, and then I sold it to a startup. And I remember being introduced to practice leaders. And one of the practice leaders asked me, is this something women do, Mary, this, this coaching thing? (laughs) And, you know, today, of course, that, you know, we were all horrified by that comment. Right. But, and even back then I was horrified by it, but the point, the point being is it, it just wasn't a turn to tool. As you said, people could frame it as a coach. What does that mean? Do I have to fix something, right? And that is not what coaching is, right? It's 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 truly a development tool, no matter at what level mm-hmm. the leader is in. It's to develop towards. And we are all made of lightness and darkness, right? There's We always talk about the strengths of the leader and also the potential derailers. And so that we all own that, right? It doesn't matter who we are. There's both sides. So I myself personally, since you brought up that since the 1800s, like you, I I believe coaching has always existed and that we've turned to many people in our lives for, quote, coaching. The type of coaching we do is focused on the leader who is sitting in front of us and the business results that they are trying to drive. And ultimately, it ends up serving not only their organization, but themselves personally. So the greatest stories that when I think of in my own career are the leaders who have made that change for themselves first and the impact it's had on their families and their personal lives in addition to the business results that they've achieved because of the changes they've made through coaching. Talk to us about where companies tend to invest in coaching. You know, where inside the organization is it? Is it only the domain of the, of the CEO, or the top of the house, the managing partner in a, in a professional services firm, or or do they invest? You know, further down the organization. What is it? What are you seeing right now mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, how coaches are being deployed across organizations? What I'm seeing today is vastly different than again the origins. 20 years ago, it was reserved for the top of the house in organizations or, you know, for independent entrepreneurs that were taking it on to support their goals. So the investment was such that it really was focused on the CEO and his or her direct reports. I think what's happened in the last 20 years And something that I truly celebrate, the sense for coaching has become such a part of great leadership. So if I am a good leader, I own many aspects 
of a coach approach in my style. And so today you do see coaching at many different levels in an organization. And there are technology solutions that really support the frontline leader as they're learning about management and leadership all the way up to, you know, what you might call a white glove approach, right, for a CEO, where you're focused primarily on what their specific needs are highly customized to what their goal is in the coaching. We spend a lot of time listening to those needs in organizations. So we're quite fortunate to work at all levels. In the leadership development aspect, we are working often with the high potential population, women. Also, we have specialty in career transition where we're supporting organizations in, again, many different roles to help them create the change in their organizations of the future through coaching. The practice that I lead at Bravanti is focused on the senior level. So we're typically coaching, you might say, from director level and above. I think the key is that it's focusing on what the goals are for the business. And I often think that that can get lost where we're fortunate as a firm and a global firm. We often are coaching upwards of 10, 20 people, even up to 40 people in an organization where we are able to collect data too on what are we seeing in the organization. So what are the patterns that we're seeing that are not confidential, uh, you know, not part of the confidential relationship and coaching, but really the patterns in an organization. So if we're coaching 10 people and we know that 10 of them are struggling with time management or really something in that's related to mental health or organizationally that can be supported in addition to the coaching, that's something that we're able to feed back to the organization, which I think is critical. I want to I want to build on that. Listeners to this podcast hear me often talk about the BS of PS, the inherent dysfunction that comes with the structure of professional services firms, matrix and partnership. And what I hear you describing there leans in that direction of of the BS of PS. And so much of it, you didn't use this word, but I I would think it's it's not only driven by the structural dimensions, but the cultural dimensions of a given firm as well. Jeff, agree. And I think that I often laugh. Again, I think a sense of humor is one of the most important leadership competencies that one can have. And I, and I mean that sincerely. I really do mean that, that the work of business is quite serious, right? And the <laughs> leaders that we serve often when we are meeting them either face-to-face or via technology platform or even this thing called the smartphone, right? It's quite serious what they're up against. And if if you're in a public company, if you're a mid-cap and you know trying to expand and grow, if you're an entrepreneur, the challenges are real. And so the sense of humor, when I say that, it's good to lighten the load, right? When I speak to that. Most of the time when we are working with a business unit leader or a C-suite executive, we are really looking at the whole person. 
and we are looking at their reactions to what you just described, Jeff, you know, how do they manage that, right? How do they manage what it looks like to sit in that type of organization? And part of the coaching always is a check-in on that. So if you have a coaching hour with the leader, it's a check-in and how they're managing that. And often the coaching time is really the forced reflection of their day-to-day. And I'm always amazed at the end of a coaching conversation, what the leader takes away. And we believe philosophically that leaders have the answers within themselves. It's the pause to reflect, to reach for that. And in today's world, right? I mean, whether, you know, just look around you, there's just a lot of chaos And this space for coaching that is held for the leader becomes the most critical point in their week. Years ago, we'd worry about momentum in coaching. Will will the leader be committed to it? Today, the best leaders force fit that time into their weekly schedule so that they can experience the calm of that time and then move forward to manage in that environment. Does that answer your question, Jeff? Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I, I, and I can see that in my own life. You know, that ability to just get quiet and reflect. I, I think, and you work with global companies, but I'll, I'll speak of, you know, my experience more with, with U.S. based companies. Mm-hmm. We as leaders so identify with our roles and it becomes such a big part of who we are. And we've had several podcasts talking about fear as it exists in us as leaders or consumers and how marketers often exploit fears. Mm -hmm. But can you, can you share a little bit about how identifying so much with a role or not being aware of, of fears impacts a leader's performance? Mm-hmm. I, I almost welcome that fear, Jeff, in our work because it's helping us really identify the passion for that leader because our, our fears are often tied to what we want to accomplish. And, and to me, when I, when, when I personally am nervous or have a little bit of fear about what's to come next, it means I'm on the precipice of growth, right? I'm really about to grow. And we joke about that, of course, as coaches, that's our answer often, right? That fear, the fear that you're experiencing is really just a signpost to guiding you to what's next. I do think the identity, our identities getting caught up in the role we play is something that is cause for reflection. The the work of coaching often is balancing what else in your life. We use an instrument often that looks at personality 
in uh, top leaders. And really, it's, it's usually used from the director level up. And we look at their values and drivers, the bright side of their personality and also their derailers. So it's the whole person that we're looking at. That is the Hogan, which some of your listeners might be familiar with. It is Mm -hmm. a personality assessment that has been around for many, many years and is one of the most valid and reliable instruments out there. But the point is, Jeff, it's looking at the whole person. So you get to what is it about those fears, right, that can actually drive success welcoming them and helping it drive success versus it becoming a more significant derailleur. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. Mary, I'd like you to go back a little bit to data. I'm really interested. You mentioned data and you think about the broader coaching universe that is coaching that you see in sports and how much data has overtaken everything from skill development to strategy to everything related to sports has sort of been consumed by data, good or bad. Mm -hmm. I'm just really curious, like how you go about collecting data and how you use it to help leaders unlock higher levels of performance. Like what does that Mm -hmm. look like in, in yeah. in leadership coaching. I'm just really fascinated really? by you brought that up. It wasn't even on my radar, honestly, coming into this conversation. <laughs> so when you said it, I was like, I want to hear more about that. So, you know, the data in a coaching engagement is driven by the leader and it comes from self-reflection first. Philosophically, we believe, like I said earlier, Jason, that the leader has their has the answer within, and that comes from self-reflection. So the first piece of data comes from the reflection of self, and we do that through an instrument that really helps us get to know their life story and also how they define their values and drivers and some of their goals. Second piece of data often comes from a type of psychometric some type of personality assessment. There are many on the market. There's arguments for and against, you know, assessment, but we like grounding the work to have that work alongside of that self-assessment to see how valid is the leader's definition of self. And, And why that's important is because all of us have blind spots that we don't recognize. So this begins telling the story of what might be a blind spot And what do we need to celebrate in terms of self-knowing? The third aspect is always looking at the data around the leader. So talking to people around them, and we typically interview up to 10 people around that leader. It could be members of the board. If the person often has a public presence, it could be people outside the organization, direct reports, peers also significant others in their life. My favorite story is of working with a CEO who asked me to interview a limousine driver. And this was a public company CEO. And when he told me that he had this gentleman on his list, I was kind of, you know, surprised. 
it was the best interview I've ever had, ever in my career. This limousine driver had witnessed the leader with the board, with public figures, with his family, with his leadership team on phone calls and actually in picking him up, right? Waiting for him at different events, watching his approach. And so all of that data comes together to help form the development plan. And what we do is put that against the business result that that leader's after. So we'll identify what are the tangible and intangible business impacts that can come out of the change that leader is attempting to make. And so, you know, to give you an example of one of those data points, often what we see today is a burnout factor, right? There is, since COVID, a lot of self-reflection of leaders and thinking about you know, is this where they want to play? And if so, how do they do that in a way that is life-giving versus energy zapping, right? And so their own retention in an organization is a tangible business result, right? It's, It's that they decided through their coaching, they felt a renewal and a recommitment to the vision that they are working towards and that they're going to stick around, right? Versus making an exit and doing something different. So does that help in terms of the data pieces? Yeah, no, it, it helps It helps a bunch. It, it creates a thousand follow-on questions, but, but Jeff, <laughs> I, I, I won't ask them. I'm going to let Jeff ask because I, I don't want to like dominate the conversation or dominate the, 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 the dialogue. I'd like to hear one of your follow-on questions. Well, so my following question actually, it kind of keeps going down this wicket is like, when the leader shows up, you talk a lot about business impact, do they tend to know what they're trying to change? Or do they have no idea? What's more frequent? Yeah, excellent question. So both scenarios happen. A leader comes to coaching with a very clear idea. And interestingly enough, as crystal clear as they are through the coaching, they learn more, right? Because of all these data points, they learn more. And often there's a big, ah, like an aha through that data gathering that really makes the coaching that much more powerful, right? Because they have that realization. So both scenarios are true. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, as a practitioner and someone leading a business for as long as I have, how often we're meeting leaders who really haven't had a coaching experience in their life, a formal mm-hmm. coaching experience. They've had mentors, right? They've had guides. They've had their small board of directors that they turn to, right? But a professional coach, no. And so often part of the work we do as an organization is in the education of what is coaching, right? And how do you use it best for yourself? So I think we see, to answer your question directly, we see both, right? The leader who is very clear on what they're after and the leader that this is part of my development, Mary, I'm not sure what I'm going to uncover, but I'm open to learn. Is there one or the other that tends to overweight? You know, is there an overweight on this? I think it comes back to the pause that you give people to reflect. Mm-hmm. When when we talk to the leader directly, they know what it is they want to work on. When the coaching is being offered as a benefit to a certain leadership group or some organizations today 
tie the coaching to a specific project, right? That we're going through a major transformation and we want all of our leaders to experience coaching. They'll be using what the business goal is as their starting point, but they uncover more through the process. I I think, you know, today we're just so fortunate. I so celebrate the coaching going on all over the world today. And I mean that sincerely that when I we work in many organizations where there is an internal cadre of coaches that's been developed. So you'll see that more now than ever, that in many organizations, they are hiring internal coaches to take on coaching at all different levels. And there's an argument that, oh, don't you need an outsider, right? How can it be an internal resource? But many leaders really welcome that, someone who has perspective on their organization. Bravanti often is partnering with that cadre of internal coaches to support their development and really um, to act as a sounding board for the different engagements that they're taking on. The series Billions, I'm sure both of you have heard of that show, Wendy was the internal industrial psychologist that worked in that show with the leaders. And that really made coaching something that organizations began turning to as a solution internally. How do we create that ourselves inside? Today, we're educating a lot of leaders on what does it look like to take on coach-like behavior in your leadership style. And so that's something that I think has supported that organizational strength as well. You know, that makes perfect sense to me. You know, I grew up as a a jock, you know, playing sports. And some of the most influential people in my life are, you know, coaches, you know, starting in Little League, going up, you know, through high school athletics. So the concept of, of coach makes perfect sense to me. But I think, you know, in a modern organization, it makes so much sense because to me, it creates and reinforces the concept of team mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, our roles and how we're performing together. But having coaches like you and Bravante in there where you're, you're working with, you know, a cadre of, of people gives you a nomenclature that I think is really critical to have important conversations. But I think even more importantly, getting to your earlier point about individual pauses, it almost gives you a collective pause or space as an organization Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to stop and think about who we are and what we're trying to achieve and how we're going to get there instead of this very individualistic, I'm going to hit my number, I'm going to make partner, I'm going to get mine and screw everybody else, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jeff, I don't think, you know, what I've seen in a a big change in business is this acceptance of it happens through a team. It happens through a team, right? And we, we do a lot of work with the leadership teams of organizations and that that can be across the board in the smallest team most recently was a team of four but we're working today with one of the largest technology firms and the audience can be a team of four up to a team of 30 but it's getting right to the theme of your thought there is 
how do we get away from individual or siloed, right? Versus coming together as a team and really experiencing that pause together so we can make that plan. Absolutely, that's something that we've seen a significant change in over the last few years. I think COVID helped that. That's a positive outcome of COVID. And many of the leaders that we spoke to in all different size organizations talked about equalizing leadership on the screen, that now the leadership team would, or the extended team, right, was all on a screen together. And you could really be able to listen to people in a different way. Early on in COVID, there was a lot of positives to that while it it shook people up, right, that had never worked that way before. Ultimately, once they settled into it, they could see the benefit of having the full team and Call, actually pulling people's thoughts out in the room, right? Versus just maybe listening to the people that are always talking. I think in the, the new world that we're working in, the hybrid, that some people long for that again in certain situations. It's helpful to have the, the varying ways of working, right? Face-to-face and via technology platform. So we're probably coming up on time, and I have one last question I want to ask you. So you think about this this 20-year story you've told us about coaching, how coaching has moved from being something that was done maybe almost only with CEOs in hiding at a coffee shop, <laughs> something that is now done across the organization, is becoming something that organizations are you know essentially trying to, to, to invest in down the organization, and it's much more visible. So what is the biggest restrictor on your growth? Is it finding good clients or finding talented and finding and developing talented coaches? Oh, Jason, I'm an idealist, right? I'm always curious. So to me, the term sky's the limit, right, exists in this space more than ever before. There are so many talented coaches in the market who have had business experience and gone through executive coaching education, right? And that really shines. So you'll notice more than ever today, many people have taken on the role of coach. Inhibiting growth, you know, it's always enough. Do, Do we have enough people having the right conversations, right? And so the scalability of coaching, I I feel so honored and privileged that what was a small practice, you know, 22 years ago has grown to be a major contributor to the business world. And that is because of team, right? It's because of the experiences that I've been able to have through the organizations that I've served and the people that are on the team. So I really think anything's possible and it's just a matter of focus, right? It's a matter of the focus and the right talent. We, again, have been quite fortunate to attract amazing coaches to our cadre, and they are the ones that really deliver the guidance to the leaders that we serve. I always say the work of coaching, though, comes from the leader. We can be the best and most expert and educated guides, but the work of coaching, the success of it 
is all about the leader. And yes, you need to have the right partner, right? And you need to drive towards the right business result, but the leader owns the work of coaching. And that's, I think, what makes it such a celebration. When you part ways with that leader, they, they are left in a new light and a new way of operating that only does good for all of those around them, both personally and professionally. So Mary, this has been great. I I am so glad you were able to join us. If our listeners want to learn more about Bravante or connect with you, how can they do that? Thank you, Jeff. On LinkedIn, I'm Mary Herman, two R's, two N's at Bravante via email, M Herman, H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N at bravanti.com. And I'd welcome any questions or thoughts or reflections. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to both of you. Thanks, Mary. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, oh.